Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Ohio Republicans insist their opposition to Democrat Claire Osborne's bid for the 83rd House District race isn't personal or out of fear of losing the seat, but a matter of law that makes her candidacy invalid. We'll take a closer look at their position on the issue. Also this morning, the frustratingly confusing roller coaster that is the COVID dashboard. We'll speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. And because public health is about more than just COVID-19, we'll also talk about their latest community health assessment report. And happening around town, Flag City Balloon Fest returns for another weekend of high-flying family fun. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. Should you need a reason to celebrate today, by the way, it is the International Day of the World's Indigenous People. <laughs> I know I've been planning my party all, all, all month. I've been looking forward to this, the International Day of the World's Indigenous People. No, I'm just, I, I kid, but it's a very important day. National Handholding Day today. It is Book Lovers Day, National Polka Day, Rice Pudding Day, International Co-working Day, and it is National Veep Day today. So, reasons to celebrate, should you need a reason to celebrate today. So, uh, this is uh, the latest thing that we have to be uh, worried about. The world is coming to an end. Uh, And apparently it's coming to an end one turtle at a time. Climate change, it says here, may be causing a lack of male turtles in Florida. You heard that right. Uh, (laughs) I saw the headline and I said, I've got to read more about this. Climate change might be causing a lack of male turtles in Florida. For the past four years, the Turtle Hospital in Marathon, Florida, has seen only female hatchlings. They haven't had a male hatched. In four years, the frightening thing is that the last four summers in Florida have been the hottest summers on record. This according to Betty Zirkelbach of the Turtle Hospital in Marathon, Florida. And uh, hotter weather means hotter sand. Hotter sand means more females because apparently, and who knew, Uh, Sand needs to be 81.8 degrees or cooler in order for males to hatch. I had no idea. Um, If the ratio continues to be uneven, they say it it may be possible to cool a hot turtle nest to allow male turtles to hatch. But if the uh, ratio continues to be uh, uneven, obviously... That could be they have dire consequences for the species. So they're exploring their options. But that is the uh, latest that we have to worry about now that uh, the world is coming to an end one turtle at a time because of climate change. Who knew? That's crazy. Uh, let's see. I saw this story on the uh, Newswire, and it's another uh, demonstration. You know how sometimes uh, technology gets ahead of itself. Uh, in other words, it... it Technology advances faster than society can deal with the implications of said technology. And here is a perfect example. Do robots have a right to their own inventions? (laughs) Not according to the U.S. Federal Circuit Court. Artificial intelligence innovator Stephen Thaler 
has tried to copyright and patent his robot's creations. Apparently, he's created this incredibly artificially intelligent robot that is in turn created its own inventions, which he has tried to patent. However, Judge Leonard Stark has ruled that patent holders must be human individuals, that a machine, a robot, cannot hold a patent. He said, quote, the Patent Act requires that inventors must be natural persons, that is, human beings, unquote. Uh, Judge Thaler, uh, uh, that's according to uh, Judge Leonard Stark, the U.S. Federal Circuit Court. Uh, Mr. Thaler expected to appeal the ruling to a higher court. Here is a perfect example. we got technology that is advancing so quickly that technology itself is making inventions. We've invented technology that can make its own inventions, and now we have no idea what to do with it. We're, we're just... Uh, <laughs> it has thrown us into a tizzy uh, here about that. It would be interesting to see what happens uh, with that. Can a robot... Uh, hold a patent and control its own invention. I'm not sure I like the idea of ro- robots controlling anything in, in the real world, but um, anyway, that was kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of inventions, this may be the greatest invention ever. I mean the greatest invention ever. It is a new transparent coating that can actually get rid of scratches on your car in just 30 minutes. So if you've ever dinged your car, scratched your car in the parking lot uh, or uh, something like that, uh, this is a team in South Korea says that the protective clear coat material self-heals damaged surfaces using nothing but sunlight. Until now, the report says, researchers uh, say it's been difficult for manufacturers to create a coating that is colorless, transparent, and has a high level of durability. But this new material checks all of those boxes. Uh, This is from the Korea Research Institute of Chemical Technology. The developed technology, they say, is a platform that synthesizes self-healing coating materials using both inexpensive commercial polymer materials and photothermal dyes. It is expected to be widely used not only in automotive clear coats, but in other various applications as well. Uh, Off the top of my head, I can't think of one that would be appropriate for, but certainly for automobiles, you imagine a you scratch the automobile, you get a ding or a scratch in the door in the parking lot or what have you, and uh, within 30 minutes, it's gone. That could be the greatest invention ever. And I don't care if it was a human or a robot that came up with it. That could be the greatest invention ever. Look forward. I'm sure it'll. It says it's in, inexpensive. But I'm sure that the car companies will charge, you know, five, ten thousand dollars extra for it. I'm sure it's not going to be a, a free option. They're going to find a way to, to charge people for it. But I think most people will pay it. A um, couple of uh, follow-up stories. Uh, we mentioned the other day that the baby hippo is here, the Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, you remember Fiona the hippo? She is now a big sister. 
Uh, her mom uh, gave birth to another rabbit. Well, now we know that the new baby hipper, hip, new baby hippo, is a boy. So uh, Fiona has a baby brother, the uh, or stepbrother, I guess. Um, same mother, not the same father. The uh, zoo announced yesterday it was able to confirm the gender of uh, Fiona's siblings. Zoo officials say they are happy that the calf is healthy. Uh, mom and baby appear to be bonding normally. And uh, so all of that now, the Cincinnati Zoo is uh, opening it up to suggestions on what to name the new baby hippo. So apparently you can vote on the website and uh, submit your favorite name uh, online, the Cincinnati Zoo website for the new baby boy hippo. So there's that. And uh, you remember yesterday we were talking, and I think we mentioned it in the uh, broken news segment yesterday, the uh, woman in Delaware who is fighting to keep her vanity license plate. She was she's uh, requested and was issued a license plate, a personalized license license plate in the state of Delaware with the phrase F cancer f cancer and uh then after they issued the plate the department of motor vehicles had a uh, uh decided they changed their minds they wanted to recall it they said she couldn't have the plate and uh she claims that it is not a the the dmv says that the phrase implies profanity f cancer she says the f stands for fight not that other word. And now the ACLU is getting involved. <laughs> she, uh, the woman filed, uh, Carrie Overington is her name. She filed a federal lawsuit. Uh, this has been going on for a year. Apparently she fi- filed a federal lawsuit last year. Um, a judge rejected the state's motion to dismiss the case. She didn't have an attorney when she filed the lawsuit. Now, She's got to get one, and the ACLU announced uh, yesterday that it will represent her going forward. So the ACLU is getting involved in the great Delaware license plate flap. Stay tuned. I want to do up. Uh, <laughs> the ACLU is getting involved. Well, it's a freedom of speech issue, by golly. And uh, I hope she gets to keep it. I think that's great. Uh, F, cancer indeed. And... This is big news because I didn't even know there was such a thing. 18-year-old Caden Kershaw of Wausau, Wisconsin, is a leading contender to win the USA Mullet Championship. I had no idea that there was even such a thing, but apparently there is, and he is hoping to rise to the top of uh, the 10... Young people in his age category. He's 18 years old. He stands to win $1,000 and a pair of Pit Viper sunglasses <laughs> if he wins the honor of America's best mullet among 18-year-olds. $1,000 and a pair of really fancy sunglasses. <laughs> he says, though, I'm not in it for the money. I just really want to be number one and represent America. <laughs> I'm not in it for the money. I just want to be number one. Um, Ms. Young Mr. Kershaw says he began growing his mullet three years ago as a joke with his buddies, but he kept up maintenance uh, of it, and he stands to make Wisconsin the home of the nation's most glorious head of hair. The national contest is still seeking competitors and still uh, enter. If you have uh, fabulous locks, 
Visit mulletchamp.com to learn how to register. Winners decided via popular vote. So <laughs> I'm not in it for the money. <laughs> I just want to be number one and represent represent America. <laughs> uh, well, you go. I, you got my vote. There you go. Uh, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a chance of a storm, a high of 78. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 64. Raise the bar, Hancock County will be receiving up to $930,000 as part of the Ohio Manufacturers Association's Good Jobs Challenge program. Raise the bar executive director, Tricia Valesque. This is really launching us towards something really exciting for this community. And we're just looking forward to all that we can offer people who are interested in the manufacturing sector with high earning wages and a great place to live. She says Raise the Bar will conduct specific recruiting and upskilling components of the Ohio Manufacturers Association's Workforce Development Action Plan, which will benefit Finley and the Hancock County region. Get more on the website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol has been cracking down on speeders this summer. Speed is involved in about one-third of all motor vehicle deaths nationwide. Sergeant Ray Santiago with Ohio State Highway Patrol says... We're noticing that troopers are issuing citations a lot more frequently for motorists traveling 20-plus miles per hour over the speed limit or in excess of 100 miles per hour. WTOL 11's Zainab Shaib reporting. Volunteers and nonprofits have only a few days left to register for the United Way of Hancock County's Fall Days of Caring. Back in May, we stopped by Finley's Whittier Primary to check out the projects volunteers were tackling as part of the Spring Days of Caring. We have volunteers from Cooper and Marathon who are helping us today. And we have prioritized some projects out front with our landscaping, a patio area where our students can utilize for recess time or for an outdoor learning area. You can learn more about the Fall Days of Caring event that's coming up and how you can help on the website. Ohio State is ranked number two in the preseason college football coaches poll. The Buckeyes will play four teams ranked in the top 25 of the poll during the regular season. That includes number five Notre Dame, who Ohio State will open the season against on Saturday night, September 3rd at Ohio Stadium. The Buckeyes will wrap up the regular season against number six Michigan on Saturday, November 26th at the Horseshoe. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, as we mentioned yesterday on the show, the race for the 83rd district seat in the Ohio House of Representatives took a turn late last week when the Ohio House Republican Alliance challenged the validity of Democrat Claire Osborne's candidacy. She has been open about overcoming an opiate addiction, which led to a felony drug conviction, and that, Republicans say, makes her ineligible to hold public office. Stephen Carraway is political director for the Ohio House Campaign Committee. Stephen, to clarify, the statement that was issued on Friday did not come from John Cross himself or the Cross campaign, rather from the Ohio House Republican Alliance. But was that done in consultation with or on behalf of the Cross campaign? Sure. The uh, Ohio House Republican Alliance uh, is the political arm of House Republicans. And so, uh, obviously, we protect the political interests of each one of our members and candidates throughout Ohio. 
I ask because I, I, I spoke to a number of people because after getting after seeing the uh, uh, the press statement on on Friday, I wanted to kind of get a sense of what average folks kind of made of this. And so I spoke with several uh, acquaintances, just average voters on all sides of the political spectrum. And one of the things that I heard uh, from a number of people was why even bring this up and potentially offer free publicity to the opposing candidate in a race where even she acknowledges she is a long shot. I mean, surely you're not afraid of losing the seat in a district that went for Donald Trump in 2020 by 40 points. No, we are not concerned uh, in with losing the seat for a couple of reasons. First of all, the, the record of Representative Cross, he's done an outstanding work uh, for the people of that district. However, uh, for us, it's about asking those questions as the political arm of House Republicans. Uh, we, from time to time, will remind voters of certain situations of our you know, political opponents. And for us, this really raised uh, a big question. You know, these are not simple charges that Miss Osborne was faced with several years ago. Uh, the felonies, of course, included theft of prescription pills from a community hospital. Miss Osborne lost her state nursing license. And so for us, it was more about letting the voters know um, that, you know, Democrats, particularly in that district, they have nominated a, a flawed candidate. And uh, we thought it was important that the voters uh, understand and know about it. So, so no concern about the the boomerang effect because I mean, you remove the politics, and and hers is a pretty compelling story of hitting rock bottom and then doing all the things that society asks someone in her situation to do, and then going beyond by trying to help others in similar situations, and then serve the people who gave her a second chance. I mean, were she not a polit? I don't know if that's. A reason. I'm not saying that's a reason to vote for her, but I'm saying if she wasn't a political candidate, we'd all be kind of cheering uh, her her story. You know, it all comes down, in our opinion, of decisions. And as a state representative uh, or member of the legislature, you are faced with many decisions, vote yay or nay on this important bill or non-important bill or controversial piece of legislation, capital budget funding. You are in a position of great honor and trust. And sometimes the decisions that we make in life have consequences. Mm -hmm. And in our mind, regrettably, you know, Ms. Osborne made some very, very poor decisions. In our view, it disqualifies her from holding public office, particularly in the House of Representatives. Honor and trust for us is very important. And the position of a state rep is something that could impact all of Iowans, 11.5 million of them. She argues that there is some ambiguity in the law because of the way prior records are dealt with in the courts today as compared to when the law that you cite disqualifying her, when when that was written, uh, it re references expunged records and records today are sealed rather than expunged and so on. So she sees a bit of a gray area. Obviously, you disagree with that interpretation. We do, uh, very much so. In our view, the Ohio Revised Code is very clear. Section 2961.02, a disqualifying offense means that, uh, you know, you have uh, a theft offense that is a felony is one of the, uh, you know, the disqualifying offenses. And, you know, candidate Osborne uh, didn't just have one felony uh, offense 
she had a couple. And so we are reading it as crystal clear. Uh, I, I understand that there can be a disagreement uh, or a difference of opinion on this well, issue. We are working with uh, the House Reliance, uh, Republican Alliance legal team uh, to sort all of this out. Uh, but we are very, very confident that she is not qualified to hold the position of uh, state representative. Well, and that kind of touches on the other question that I wanted to ask uh, from the uh, quotes at the state and local level. It seems that no one really wants to be the one to remove the candidate from the ballot. State officials have said it's up to the local boards to decide. Local officials say it's up to the state to decide. Ultimately, this would probably need to be settled by the courts. How far is the OHRA, uh, OHRA prepared to take this prior to the election? Are you content to raise the issue and leave it at that? Or we you- still have to talk about that internally. Obviously, there are some uh, deadlines to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ballots, if you think about it, are going to be printed in a matter of weeks as uh, you know the certifying the certification takes uh, place with local boards. It is our opinion, though, that this is a local board decision and uh, not not that of the Secretary of State. So it probably uh, have to be the local boards. And then if, you know, if it were elevated to, uh, you know, a local court uh, there, but uh, we're we're not anywhere close to making a decision uh, on how to proceed. We're working with our folks now. Uh, again, setting aside the politics of this specific race, does all of this merit a closer look at the law and perhaps a re-examination of who should and shouldn't be eligible to serve in such circumstances? Because we know that this is an issue that crosses all socioeconomic lines, and the next time it might invalidate the eligibility of an otherwise qualified Republican candidate. Sure, sure. No, I I understand that. Um, I do think that, you know, perhaps this is something that should be looked at. I, of course, am on the political side and not on the state side of things. And so I have very little to to say or do with the public policy that comes out of the House of Representatives. However, uh, I do think that the question you posed warrants a discussion as well. Again, Stephen Carraway is political director for the Ohio House Campaign Committee, the Ohio House Republican Alliance, challenging the validity of Democrat Claire Osborne's candidacy for the 83rd district seat in the Ohio House of Representatives. And we will continue to follow the story as it develops. Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi is with us uh, in the studio this morning to talk a little bit about the uh, latest community health assessment report, which I want to get to here in just a minute. Uh, but first, I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, what for many is a frustratingly confusing uh, roller coaster that has been the COVID dashboard here locally uh, of late. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Hank, we've been doing pretty well, kind of, you know, in sort of like the medium uh, category. A couple of weeks ago, we jumped up to the high transmission rate all of a sudden. And uh, I know you issued some guidance recommendation for folks to consider masking up again. Not a requirement, but a, a suggestion. And I know, uh, I think 50 North uh, re-implemented a mask mandate, which makes sense with their uh, clientele being uh, higher risk. But then last week... Hancock County dropped back down to the low. As a matter of fact, Hancock County was only uh, one of two counties in the entire state in the low transmission category. So it's, you know, up and down, back and forth uh, from one week to the next. What do you attribute that to? 
Yeah, good morning, Chris, and thank you for having me. Um, this whole number game now with COVID, and that's what I call it at this stage of the of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, of endemic, we should call it. It's those numbers are just numbers. What we really watch for is um, the morbidity and mortality of of a disease burden on a community. Mm-hmm. So we're watching more of the hospitalization, how how you know people are getting sick from it. Um, the numbers are just measuring the spread, and we all know with the Omicron and the BA five uh, variant. Um, it's and, spreading pretty fast. And how uh, how much of that is skewed by the fact that, and I think it's something we've talked about uh, before, that so many people are testing at home and not necessarily reporting that, so you don't necessarily get all of the numbers either one way or the other, positive or ne- uh, negative. Absolutely. That's a good point because a lot, a lot of those numbers do not include the people testing at home and not reporting and just for personal information, you know, mm-hmm. change behavior accordingly. And that's what we want to get to. You know what? Um, uh, it's here. We want to try to manage the disease as much as we can. So if the, the numbers are you know basically just numbers, and if they are admittedly perhaps skewed by some of these uh, factors beyond your control, does the dashboard really provide any useful information? Sure, uh, up to an extent. Like I said, knowing the limitations of the numbers and of those reported um, we uh, it will give us an idea of how uh, how much of a spread we are having. Um, we're always worried that this is going to translate into more hospitalizations and the really surrogate indicators that we're really um, uh, carefully watching right now. So if we have a large number of people, you will you will always project that. Okay, you know what? If we have large people infected, even if it for the most part it's mild, um, it will keep circulating until we'll hit that weak point where that person is most vul- more vulnerable. They will need more attention. They will end up in the hospital and then they will end up suffering from it. And of course, people remember over the past couple of years as we head into the fall and winter when people are indoors more and in in close contact and cooped up, uh, this is the time when the concern goes up a little bit. What is the level of concern in 2022 versus 2020 and 2021. Oh, we're in totally different place in 2022. I mean, we have so many tools now to manage the disease. Like I said, um, uh, COVID and uh, Omicron variant and its subvariants are here to stay. Um, you know, they're becoming a little milder. They're becoming, um, you know, a little more manageable. I think as a community, we're going to have to learn to manage the disease. If the CDC comes back with us being high, you know what? Maybe you need a little bit more careful. Uh, mind your surroundings wear a mask if you need to, uh, keep it handy, uh, protect yourself in, in many ways now. Uh, we have therapeutics for it if you, uh, if you get it. Um, we are in a lot better place. So all things to keep in mind when we see those numbers from one week to the next. Uh, now, again, as we mentioned, public health is obviously about a lot more than just COVID-19, although that has dominated the headlines over the past couple of years. You are out, and I think the last time you were here, we talked about uh, the pending release of the Community Health Assessment Report. It has been out now for uh, a few weeks. What were some of the things that stood out to you in this latest community health assessment report. Like I mentioned before, this is like um, uh, we do this survey every three years with a lot of partners, you know, from the Adams Board to the uh, to the hospital system to uh, to, uh, to a lot of nonprofits. Um, a lot of partners go and a lot of work go into those um, uh, that survey. Um, it gives us a little picture. Are we doing a little better than the previous three years or what have we done um, as a, um, you know, as a plan, uh, community plan to deal with those issues that came out of the survey. A um, couple of predicted things that came out of the survey this year because, of, you know, we're coming out of COVID. 
Um, and I should mention that survey this year have limitation with it not. Well, uh, that's one of the things I was going to say. Uh, how uh, complicated uh, does this uh, was this in compiling this data as compared to years past because of the uh, pandemic? It was it was extremely tough, and we couldn't we couldn't survey our youth. And 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 did the numbers uh, maybe also skew because people had different habits and and people doing things differently because of the pandemic? So, is the pandemic fingerprint on many different areas of this? Oh yeah, absolutely. You 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 go through the um, you know the sixty plus pages um, of of that survey and you see the the pandemic fingerprints all over the place. Uh, uh, a good example uh, would be, you know, we ask people, uh, how did you, how do you rate your general health as fair or poor? Um, that's up to 15% from 11% in mm. 2018. Um, we're still doing a little better than the state. At the state level, it's 16%. Uh, but um, on, on nationwide, we're doing a little worse on that metric. Uh, mental health is a big one. Um, you know, we ask people, how do you rate your mental health as not good or, uh, or for more days? Uh, they went up to 40%. From mm. 32% in 2018. Yeah, perfect example. We know how uh, mental health was impacted by the pandemic. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the really that. important uh, thing here is if we compare ourselves, and we always do to, to the state of Ohio and to the nation, the uh, state of Ohio is at 29%. We're at, we're at 40%. Mm. Um, so enough. we know that, you know. We, so an area of concern. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to work with our partners, again, the Admins, with everybody else, um, just come together and come up with a plan to see how can we um, address those concerns moving forward in the next three years. And that's really the purpose of the Community Health Assessment Report. The data is interesting, but it also provides you with maybe some guidance for areas of focus uh, over the next three years. Yeah, I think the next step now, um, after we kind of digest the, all, all the data that came out of that survey real well, uh, we're going to sit down with our partners again and come up with a plan. We call it the Community Health Improvement Plan. Um, again, the Adams, the hospital, um, all the nonprofits are going to come together and say, how can we address those issues that came out of the, of the survey? Um, again, this is not a catch-all. Um, I think especially this year, because of the limitations you talked about, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to try to do more um, uh, small surveys, focus, uh, focus group type of things, um, the, the conversations that community foundations is engaging the public in. All that is going to come back to, 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 that, to that committee, that group, and say, okay, you know what? Those are the issues that our population is, needs, needs yeah. help with, and that's what we need to address. You mentioned uh, mental health as one area of concern. Were there any others that, that stood out uh, immediately in the, in the numbers that uh, kind of jumped out at you? We've done, we've done better on smoking cessation. So uh, okay. believe it or not, I think we, we improved by, by one percentage. Um, one uh, one area um, that uh, we're still not doing um, too good is um, people who are overweight in our community. Mm. Um, that went up from 28% in 2018 uh, to 36% in 2021. Quite a jump. Yeah. And and again, COVID is, is part of it. We all know what happened mm -hmm. the last few uh, couple of years right. here. Um, the interesting thing is we're above the state average of 34%, and we're above the, the U.S. Um, average of, of 35%. Which I, it also uh, leads to the, to the question, when you look at the totality of the community health assessment, were, were you – was it pretty much what you expected? I mean, based on previous, so you uh, trending kind of in the same directions? Were there any big changes where you thought, well, that was really unexpected compared to what we have seen in the past? 
no really big changes. Okay. And, and some of those numbers, especially when it comes to mental health and, and um, overweight and diabetes and, and uh, yeah, because that was, that's a good example. That was, that was, we were, we had that issue the last time. So to see that as still an issue is not a surprise. Not at all. I mean, I think the 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 COVID the pandemic exacerbated some of those issues, right? Um, and then um, it set us back a little bit. I think as as a community now, we need to come together and say, okay, you know what? Um, that's the programming. That's the services we need to have to our population to improve on those uh, measures. And hopefully, that the next survey will will look a lot better. I mean, the whole idea here is to see the the needle moving into better, healthy communities. Mm-hmm. I and so with that in mind, let me ask you this, and and we'll kind of. Uh, maybe end on a high note are there areas in this report where you see substantial improvement based on some of the focus areas in the previous report um substantial improvement and i, I think uh, i guess substantial improvement is be, in be, the eye will, of the beholder will be the I mean, oral, oral health oral health um i think uh we we've, we've improved a lot now 80 percent of our uh population visited dentist clinic uh the past year compared to, to 73 in 2018, and well above the Ohio average of 65%, and well above the U.S. average of 67%. Um, so that's, that's, so one, that's one area that improved. I think people are, are, are heeding the, the advice of um, oral health being important to your physical and mental health as well. So you can demonstrate that there are areas where yes, we focus so, some attention in the past and have seen improvement. Yeah. So. And I think the the the, the, the the vision is to to have this survey, or once we have the plan, with uh, with objectives and goals for the next three years, to post that on a dashboard for the whole public to see. Okay, how how are we improving on those uh, yeah. measures, yeah. Um, and can we make a difference in, in the next one? And in the meantime, uh, folks can look at the uh, community health assessment. You've got uh, the highlights of the data and and all of that on the website. That is correct. It's on our landing page. It's on the ticker. Go look at the, there's about 40 minute video that talks about how we collected the data, uh, make sure it's scientific, make sure the people who looked at the data analyze it. It's a scientific report. It's very interesting report. Um, it's um, it's one um, one piece of the whole uh, picture, and uh, we're gonna keep collecting data. We're gonna keep serving better. A lot more uh, detailed than we can get into here, but uh, certainly worth uh, checking out. We've got the link up at our webpage again. Uh, Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate. Thank it. you. Twenty years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on thirteen thirty WFIN WFIN dot com and ninety five five FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A couple of stories from Florida, because it seems like we always have to have uh, stories out of Florida. It's just the, I, I don't know whether they do dumber things with uh, any greater regularity in Florida, or it just gets reported more consistently <laughs> i think it's the reporters in florida go looking for these stories more more so than do reporters in other states i i don't think that people in florida are inherently dumber than the rest of us although perhaps they do spend more time in the sun and that uh, melts their brain cells i'm not sure but uh, in any event uh two men from key largo have been arrested after police <laughs> found drugs and and not only drugs, that would be bad enough, but then they also had an undersized lobster in their home. And apparently that's a no-no. 
The Monroe County Sheriff's Office said deputies executed a search warrant uh, at the residence of 21-year-old Anthony Kevin Ibanez and 31-year-old Jesse Lee Perrine, uh, or Purine. Uh, they uncover what they found as a result of this search warrant. They uh, found 4.6 pounds of marijuana, 4.6 pounds of marijuana, uh, nearly two grams of cocaine and a little lobster in their refrigerator. <laughs> I can just see the uh, I can just see the sheriff's deputies executing the search warrant. Grab all the drugs. Oh, and hey, check the fridge too, <laughs> just to see if there's any contraband seafood. <laughs> Aside from the drugs and the Florida spiny lobster, police also recovered two AR-15 rifles, two Glock handguns. Assorted pills and THC vape cartridges. So they really hit the gold mine here. Uh, the report goes on to say that the two men have been taken to jail on drug charges as well as charges of possession of an undersized lobster. <laughs> Don't forget to charge him with the undersized lobster. Uh, let's see. It's very serious stuff. They take that very seriously in Florida. Speaking of uh, contraband seafood, this is not contraband seafood necessarily, but a very unusual theft in South Florida. Three men are accused of of stealing $1.3 million worth of seafood by pretending that they were wholesale buyers for a supermarket chain. (laughs) This, I, you got to give them points for creativity on this theft, at least. Uh, Rene Ekmend, age 33, and Ernesto Bote, age 36, along with Jose Luis Batista Suarez, age 40, this trio accused of carrying out a scheme in which the fake buyer placed seafood orders wholesale, supposedly on behalf of of a local supermarket and then would go and pick them up at the warehouse. But the seafood supplier got suspicious after contacting the supermarket uh, with a question about the order and being told that no one by the name of the order placer, the buyer uh, went by the name of Brian Gomez and the supermarket said, well, nobody by that name works for us. Uh, Authorities ultimately used surveillance video to catch the men who now face seven counts of grand theft cargo of uh, cargo valued at over $50,000 and seven counts of obtaining property over the value of $5,000. They stole $1.3 million in seafood. Here's my question. on the, How are you going to unload that? I mean, seafood has a very distinct shelf life, does it not? I mean, it's... You can't just take forever to unload this. They must have had a, a buyer in mind. They must have had something in mind to do with all of this. Um, <laughs> apparently, there's a very uh, hot market for hot seafood, I guess, in the uh, state of Florida. But they are in jail. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news. Now, this is weird. And this is a uh, TikTok story. Henry Gray says he has a rare condition called lexical gustatory uh, synesthesia. I think is how you pronounce this. 
basically, it's a condition in which, I kid you not, he says he can taste words. He can taste words. Words in the language trigger taste sensations in his mouth, in his brain. And that includes names of people. Mr. Gray explains on his TikTok that he's had to move and even change his circle of friends if their names taste bad to him. For example, uh, the name Elijah tastes like licking an eyeball. (laughs) Now, how you would know what licking an eyeball tastes like, but that's what he says. Uh, I would not form a friendship with people if their name tasted or smelled awful. He said, uh, according to uh, Mr. Gray, the tastiest name is Martin, which to him tastes like candy. (laughs) I don't know if I was his friend named Martin, I'd be a little uncomfortable right now, don't you think? (laughs) That's rude, but apparently it is a real medical condition. Or maybe not a medical, but a psychological condition, perhaps? I don't know, but <laughs> beware if your name is Martin. Your ta- your name tastes like candy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this was kind of weird. Um, this is from the UK, where a pub, uh, the Sandancer South Shields in the United Kingdom, caused quite a stir after posting a job listing online. Uh, <laughs> Telling Karens not to apply. You know the uh, derogatory term is coming to be known as Karens. Uh, the uh, job listing says, if you are wingy, dull, and find this offensive, move on. Because we want to put the fun back into work. <laughs> the pub owner claims he copied and pasted the advertisement from another business. But they, it says that it has helped attract applicants. The uh, posting for the job listing has... Divided reactions, some calling it disgraceful, discriminating against Karens. I think the Karens are dis- are claiming that. Um, others admire the honesty. So, anyway, Karens need not apply. <laughs> and also in the uh, broken news, this uh, from uh, Great Britain as well. A woman by the name of Livy Roberts is house hunting once again after immortal rats drove her from her home in Leeds. Immortal rats. Apparently, Livy and her roommate were terrorized by extremely strong rats that lived in the attic, which she said looked like some kind of torture room. She said they would be dragging steel chains across the floor, these rats. Uh, The uh, two women are students at the University of Leeds, said they were driven mad by the constant creepy noises. They contacted the landlord who summoned pest control to deal with the problem. Exterminators uh, said uh, they set out poison to take care of the vermin, but it turns out the rats ate the poison and didn't die. (laughs) Livy said, they're immortal. Uh, She said, and it just doesn't stop. The exterminators say that a bunch of the poison has been eaten But uh, all they can do is keep putting out more until the rats die. Uh, It's been months of listening to the rats running around in the attic 24-7. Livy says it was just driving me insane. So they have given up. She and her roommate uh, booked a hotel to stay until they can find a new place to live. 
uh, she and her roommate uh, say it's up to the next uh, renter to deal with the immortal chain-dragging rats. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that would uh, drive me... That would definitely be a, a deterrent, the listening. We have immortal chain-dragging rats in the attic. There you go! <laughs> is the... Wow! Broken news this morning. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Road work, detours, traffic backups, and delays, it can get a little frustrating and confusing, but we can help keep you ahead of the game. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Just check out the Traffic Center at WFIN.com and you'll know where the trouble spots are in Findlay and Hancock County. Download Waze, use it whenever you're driving, and join our drive team to help inform others of traffic issues. The WFIN Traffic Center, powered by Waze, and available at WFIN.com. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A new Gallup poll out yesterday finds that America's support, Americans' support for immigration has fallen to a two-year low. In the survey, 27% said immigration should be expanded. That is down from a peak of 34% in 2020 and ending 65 years of a steady rise in support for the idea of Immigration. A greater number, 38%, said immigration should decrease. That is up from 28% in 2020. 31% in the poll said it should remain at its current level. There is a partisan divide here, probably not surprisingly. Opposition to expanding immigration is up 21 percentage points from 2020 among Republicans. Now it's 69%. While Democrats' opposition increased as well, but just 5% to 33% overall. There was also a significant age divide. 83% of those between the ages of 18 to 34 believe immigration is good for the country, compared to 76% of those who are between the ages of 35 to 54 who feel the same way, and just 57% of those age 55 and up. Here's the thing. I think now this is all uh, again a Gallup uh, poll that was uh, out yesterday, but if you uh, <laughs> if you look, I think we just I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of immigration, um, but maybe we need to make sure that we are bringing immigrants in from the right countries. Allow me to explain. This is a separate uh, Gallup survey. It is their annual Global Emotions Report. Uh, which measures people's positive and negative experiences worldwide. They looked at 100 nations and found that 49% of the respondents, all of the, 49% of all of the respondents in this global emotions report from the nation of Lebanon uh, were uh, felt anger on the day before they took the Gallup survey. 49% of Lebanese people felt anger the day before they took the uh, the survey. Turkey, not far behind, with 48%. The Middle East Monitor notes that these two countries are probably raging in large part due to their respective economic crises. The five angriest nations overall were Lebanon, Turkey, Armenia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. I don't know that there's really any surprise on that list. The five least angry nations in order were finland 
uh, more uh, Mauritius. Is that how you pronounce it? Mauritius, 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 uh, Estonia, Portugal, and the Netherlands. So those were the five least angry nations per Gallup's data. The United States, by the way, came in at number 71 in the anger ratings, 71 out of 100, just above Nigeria and below Colombia. <laughs> kind of interesting company we're keeping there. Um, so I think that's really the, the key uh, to uh, immigration. I think we need to bring more people in from the least angry nations category. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, it's not a cultural thing. I have no. It's not a, a discrimination uh, thing, or or you know, I don't have anything against uh, people from certain parts of the world versus other parts of the world. I just think we need uh, people who are less angry <laughs> in this country. I think we need fewer angry people in this country. I think that should be the ultimate goal. And if we can't be less angry as Americans, maybe we need to bring in more people from other nations that are less angry to uh, reduce our overall anger level. You see what I mean? I think that would be the key. <laughs> Good immigration. Good immigration policy. We should make that part of our immigration policy, our, our immigration plan. Just uh, I'm just thinking out loud here. So this is a weekend that so many folks look forward to all year. It is one of, if not the biggest weekend event in the Flag City. Balloon Fest returns for another weekend of high-flying family fun. <laughs> what is going on this year at uh, at Balloon Fest, Kelly? I think uh, uh, another question would be, what isn't going on at well, Balloon Fest? Well, yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty excited this year. We have 50 balloons coming this year, which is, last year we had 43. Yeah. So um, we have special, like five special shapes coming in that's included in that 50. So. I'm curious, how does how does this compare to, you said last year was 43, this year's mm-hmm. 50, so mm-hmm. we get a little bit more. How does that compare to like pre-pandemic? Is that Are we back to where we were before uh, all of this hit? Yeah, it's pretty close to okay. where it was. Yeah, all it's right. usually been in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is uh, as as big as it has ever been. Yes, uh, in terms of the number of participants. Yes, and they come from all over. They do. That's the other uh, um, thing that I've always been amazed with. California, yeah. West Virginia, Colorado, New Mexico, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, they come from all over. So, and there's several of them that just return every year. Yeah, they like the event. Um, and uh, it is uh, like you said, a lot of uh, visually, it is so cool. Yes. Um. When they're when they're there for the glows, when they're up in the air, yeah. uh, whether we're talking about just the regular balloons and the uh, designs, and then the character balloons and and all of that too. So, yeah, it's just amazing to see them all. You know, you look up in the sky and you see twenty hot air balloons flying <laughs> over your house, and I mean, it's just it's not something you get to see all the time, and a lot of people don't ever get to see it in their lifetime. Absolutely, so it's really cool that we get to have it here. And and the other thing is. Uh, being at Emory Adams Park, I mean, it's obviously a big park, but yes. um, but it's small enough that you can that you see them up close, and you know, I mean, they're they're close. You get a you get a real appreciation for just how big these things oh, are. Oh yeah, amazing, it, exactly. And so. you know, they're 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 very large, and especially the special shape. So that's why it takes so many people to help crew them <laughs> to try to get them in the air and then get them back in there. 
yeah. back in their home when they're when the, after they've landed. It it is uh, it is a a massive undertaking that uh, I don't think people always appreciate. Just yeah, how it's, it's elaborate put, this is put together by a committee of thirteen volunteers. So, yeah. <laughs> so organizing a lot of people for just uh, yeah. thirteen. Yeah, it takes 13, a lot of volunteers. Mobilizing definitely. a lot of. People yes. For that. Yes. Um, so, give us the uh, the rundown. Some of uh, what's going to be happening over the course of the weekend. It starts on Friday and then continues. Well, most of it is Friday, Saturday. There yes. are a few things on Sunday. Yeah. But give us the rundown right. Here. So, Friday morning is the media flight, and then Friday night. This is all weather permitting, so we ask everyone to cross their fingers and toes that you know Looking the stars line up. It looks good. So. Yeah. Just make sure the wind is good, but um. that's the other thing. And and we mentioned this the other day. Uh, you know, we we always look at the weather forecast and oh, we've got sunny skies. It's going to be mm-hmm. uh, mild temperatures, not going to be exceedingly hot, anything like that. So it's going to be perfect for you know people think of that when they talk about going out to see the balloons. But yeah. for the balloons, it's n- less about that. I mean, obviously, you need sunny. You don't want it to be raining and all that, right. but. The wind is yes. the big thing. The wind is a huge factor, and yeah. not just the wind on the ground, but the right. wind in the air. So, I mean, there's somebody's job. It is that it's a, he's a pilot that keeps a really good eye on the weather and what all the conditions are like around there, and yeah. you know, depending on what kind of altitude they're going to get to, and they'll decide if it's you know a mm-hmm. good if it's good enough conditions to fly. And they don't do this. I mean, they do it for the fun of it, but this is a competition. It's a too. competition. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. there's money and prizes available for for them too so uh again i'm sorry i didn't mean to get off on that tangent there uh talk a little bit about the uh some of the things that are going on uh in addition to just the balloons like that's not enough right exactly (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's the whole reason for it right right um we have a kid's zone that will be um, open on friday night and saturday so that's going to be out on the north end of emory adams there's all kinds of fun for kids inflatables and petting zoo and the canine demonstrations from the police and sheriff's department and games and face painting. So there's all kinds of fun stuff will be happening there on Saturday. The car show is back. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be from 11 to three registration starts at 10. So we're expecting quite a few cars to come out for that. The weather will be great for that. Um, Saturday afternoon, we have something new called the brew and you craft beer tasting. Um, That's for eight ounce pours from uh, like, I can't ever remember the name. Finley Brewing Company. I want to there say Flag go. City Brewing. Finley yeah, Brewing. Finley Brewing. Um, from Finley Brewing Company. By so. the way, the the pilots are not partaking. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I just no. want to make sure. Yeah, we, don't no. any, we don't want any uh, yeah, no. impaired ballooning out there. That would not yes, be a good thing. No, we promise we will not sell tickets <laughs> to any pilots. Yeah, exactly. So there's fireworks Friday night. Um, the, glow and, the glow is back, obviously, Friday and Saturday night. Um you can watch it from anywhere on the field if you want special uh, seating. We have a Glow Encounter package that we offer. Um, then there's lots of live music in the entertainment area, um, beer garden down there. We have Josh Melton on Saturday night. So he's a Nashville recording artist from this area. So he's pretty well known. And, right. Um, yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff. There's food vendors and craft vendors and yeah. vendors and vendors and... <laughs> <laughs> All so, kinds of happening. And, and again, fun for the entire family. Something yes. for everyone. Yeah. Uh, bring everybody down yes. and spend the weekend at Emory Adams because admission is free. Admission is free. Yep. Thanks to our sponsors. We have a lot of great sponsors. Um, you know, Blanchard Valley Health Systems and State Farm, um, David Roberts, uh, State Farm Agency, Keller Slough, Key Realty, Hancock Wood, um, Sunbelt Rentals, um, lots of 
lots of people who help us out. So we we couldn't do this without our sponsors. A big event for the community as well. And just as sort of a sidebar, um, the economic impact uh, for this oh, is, yeah. is we, huge. I we mean, partner with Visit Finley and we these pilots stay in local hotels mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we... And it's they not just, eat here and they shop here. And, sure, and it's and it's not just uh, those from the community. I mean, lots of people from the community obviously will uh, come in oh, to to see absolutely. this. Absolutely, they come from all over for that. They uh, oh yeah, they well. come from all over from Northwest Ohio and yeah. even into Central Ohio. They come to see it, so mm-hmm. it's one of the premier events in Ohio. Yeah, no question. And uh, like we said, it is a uh, it is a competition uh, yes. for these balloonists, um, which is uh, which is kind of fun. Again, something that people don't necessarily realize uh, right. or see. Right. Yeah. Our our pilots will uh, have the opportunity to compete. Um, they have and, like different prizes. They, they do have, like, challenges. They or, they will. They'll or, be. Um, they'll put like a target, and they have to like hit the target with a beanbag from mm. so far up, and so, so things like that. Yes, yeah. they're they're challenges for. So them. as you're driving around the community and you see these big targets, you're like, what is what in the right. world is that? <laughs> or people setting up these targets? Right, right. Uh, it's okay. Uh, we so promise. What is what is going on there? <laughs> yes. um, that's that's what it's all about. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, then on Sunday, like we said, it all kind of wraps up. You've got the, you know, the the basic, basically it's the launch on it's Sunday. It's the launch on Sunday. And Sunday then morning. we have a brunch for our sponsors and yeah. our pilots. But, uh, for, but for the public, it's on Sunday morning is the launch. Which actually is kind of, uh, kind of cool because yeah. you just, it's on a quiet Sunday morning and they just launch and fly away. It's so beautiful <laughs> over there because it's quiet and you can hear all the sounds that they make yeah. and just it's really kind of transports you to somewhere else Mm -hmm. you forget you're at emory adams park and finley it is a a terrific event uh again it all starts on friday and continues through the weekend uh like we said it happens at emory adams and really throughout the community because i i tell the story uh, a few years ago uh the balloon sort of uh came through our neighborhood and Everybody yeah. came out of their houses and yeah. started following them around oh, because they were great. coming down. And, yeah. and you know, you had this whole group of people who were <laughs> gathered and walked up and down the streets and we were following the balloons. So, That's awesome. Uh, Neighbors you haven't seen for a while. Yeah, but they exactly. Come out it becomes, for the yeah, it becomes yeah. a whole community yeah. event. But uh, at Emory <laughs> Adams, again, admission is free. Yeah. And you've got the full detail uh, on the schedule and everything at the website, right? We do. FlagCityBalloonFest.com. Right, so we've got it linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Kelly Bibbler with the Flag City Balloon Fest this weekend. Okay, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me. And that is our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, reminder, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Perhaps the most compelling story surrounding the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan one year ago was honoring our commitment to those who aided the war effort from the inside, including Afghan women who risked the lives of themselves and their families to advance the cause. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.